This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 159, The uh, Embers of Muat Strategy Guide. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. You don't sound very confident in that, Hunter. Uh, I'm not super confident in it. Uh, I would like to just kind of at the top let everybody know that the way this was supposed to work is you were supposed to play Muat. Because if you remember, I know. Um, kind of an old character in <laughs> Space Cats, Peace Turtles, Yin for Life, a long time ago broke me. Uh-huh. And I was already broken when it came to Muat. Yeah. Doing the last Yin Muat Life, guide broke you already. Yes, yes. And then Yen for Life, uh, back in the day, we used to have Space Kitty episodes where Space Kitty could just like do an episode of the show. And Yen for Life's idea for an episode was to just make me play Muat four player. And I was very grumpy. And it was 14 point. And I didn't (laughs) like it. I didn't like it. It was all my least favorite things. And so, Matt, there's kind of this interesting thing going on this October where we actually have a lot on our plate. And uh, you're kind of. (laughs) Yeah, you're kind of still a dad, huh? I kind of thought like that was like a, a thing that was going to go on for a little while, and then Molly would grow up in a few short months, and we would get back to just kind of our huge. Uh, but that is not actually what's happening. Nope. Apparently, you have still many things to do as a father. Well, and, and it's, it's really unfortunate because I actually very badly wanted to play Muat and and like work on this guide. Like I want this this Muat guide was something I wanted to dedicate X child level of uh games to sure i yeah. really wanted yeah. to like dig yeah. into them but then like pok announcement we're kind of actually rushing these a little bit at this point not to say we're not working hard on them but i don't get to play six no, no, games I'm, these are not going to be as good as the guides the from the half. beginning of the of, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 for sure so because we are trying to get to pok yep as fast as we can. But I really so, did want to play Muat. Um, and so I, I, I am upset just in my own right that uh, this didn't work out. But it should be said, uh, Hunter has been working on strategies and talking to people. And then he played a game and he freaking won. So, yeah, you know, and, and you'll, this you, guy you'll is worth its money. It. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> what? it's, you can watch the game and judge for yourself. It was a it was an interesting game. I'll say that. There I were think a it was a good game. I actually factors. I got to watch most of it, and it was. I mean, yes, there was some like strange happenings on the other side of the table. But you know what? Mm-hmm. That's how some games go. All right. Yeah. Some, that's sometimes that's how it goes. And if anything, too, it's a it's a it's a lesson in like what you're kind of looking for with Muat is and we'll get in I, we have an announcement to do real quick but I do I just want to finish this thought of sometimes Muat needs chaos on the other side of the table right it, yeah, like that's, yeah, yeah. that's what you're trying to sow to make some some things happen so anyways before we right, but actually, we do have a bigger announcement yeah, yeah, yeah before Let's we get, get into the Muat into guide this coming weekend October 17th and 18th we are doing our root tournament it's really called our root test tournament but it's a 16 person tournament someone will be crowned the winner at the end uh so you know we're we we have four games this weekend four uh i guess semi-final games they are both 
the 17th and 18th at noon and at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time or Central Daylight Time. So yes, that's 17th at noon, 17th at 6, 18th at noon, 18th at 6. Then the following weekend is the finals, the four players or five players or up to eight players from those four games. I guess technically if we have, because Root allows for co-op wins in some cases. So Which we have not really planned that well for. Well, so I think just, that will it be so rarely happens that we just are going to, you know, you just have to roll with it. You have to live with that being the case. So anyways, however I'll many say players. This. No, no, I want to say this is a little teaser i think if it happens even one time we'll just ban it future (laughs) tournaments well i don't think we're gonna here's the thing in the finals five players in the finals that's okay we can deal with five players in the finals the players can work around that but if like sure if three games end up (laughs) with vagabond coalition wins which would be insane and we have seven players going to the finals yeah that's kind of a problem that we have to figure out but it would be weird yeah to well my fingers on the button so yeah. so test me okay <laughs> my fingers on the button well let's let's do some muat guide business uh i i just want to say i'm very very proud and i saw the game hunter won i i think he's got something here this is mostly his guide but i think the most notable thing that we should just get uh, aside here at the top is our original Muat guide. Hunter was very much a Bluat guy. We'll talk about the full extent of what that means, but basically Gravity Drive Muat rather than Prototype War Sun 2 Muat. This guide, for those of you wanting to know, isn't really going to be that. We went the other way this time around, so I'm sure there are many Muat uh, fans out there that are rejoicing uh, that we're going to have a... And then some people saying that that sounds like... Well, it's not that we're not going to cover blue no, Muat we'll cover at all. It, but yeah, it, we are it's in leaning, the guide, we're but... leaning into the red-yellow Muat. Yeah. In fact, I might just open with some pre-errata uh, that I was going to save sure. for later. This is from uh, Nina Spades, kind of notable Muat player, to be <laughs> honest. Uh, he he was the original winner of the Space Cats, Peace Turtles, uh, Twilight Imperium tournament. Uh, this is exactly what Nina Spades has to say. I cannot understate enough how threatening yeah. a three-movement war sun can be. People play differently. They always need to be aware of it, and it usually causes them to make mistakes elsewhere. Yeah. I, I My thesis statement, I feel like, for this guide is essentially that what Nine is saying there is worth the trouble to get there getting yeah yeah this is how i would this is how i would shake out the debate because for for a while i've always heard the excuse the argument that well why would you play muat if you're not going to go for prototype war sun 2 and i don't like how that argument is framed what i like well dismissive what yeah it's dismissive it's like well i can do whatever i want and leave me alone but the better argument is if we are verse if we are red muat versus blue muat one blue muat has a slightly better mid game, but has no tools for the late game. The other yeah. is if you can survive the mid game, you have the late game. Like you have a very, very good late game. So which of those two is actually more likely to get you a win? Probably the red where you fail quite often, but when you don't fail, you really do very, very, very well in the late game. And that I yeah, think yeah. that's this- kind of the argument. I am not changing like where I stand as far as like Mua is on the lower yeah, rung of absolutely. the tier list. But, you know, besides Windu and Arborek, no every every faction is somewhat viable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And even Winu, even Winu occasionally wins. Right. I mean, obviously 
Arborek at this point never wins ever <laughs> under any circumstance. <laughs> I mean, if an Arborek won, it's not so much. I'm not going to so much hear if I hear about that, I'm going to be like, well, why didn't those other five players stop the Arborek yeah. <laughs> from winning is what I'll say. Why did everybody else not do what they were supposed to do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so let's let's get into it. Let's talk about why this red Muat works. And the, to, to do that first, we got to break down what the Muat has. Uh, so they have a very bad start uh, is what we'll, we'll start with. Uh, they're starting units. Or a very good start, depending on how you look at it. Count, how, you, how you count the dollars. They have in many one ways, more sun. I'll say this. In many, many, many ways, it yeah. is a bad start. In <laughs> one way... <laughs> it's a good start. Yeah. They have one war sun to start with because they start with uh, the unit ability prototype war suns, which allow them to have war suns at the start of the game. And then they have two fighters and four infantry. That's, oh, that's it. That's the end of the list. Uh, they have no, done. they have no trade ships of any kind and they only have the ability to expand. They have one super carrier. If we're talking round one, uh, what it's worth for you round one, that war sun doesn't do anything for you round one. Yeah. Except for, I guess, it has more capacity than a normal uh, carrier. But beyond that, it's just a big thing. that It's a big balloon that people want to pop pretty badly um, if you play with some groups. Um, I, I think there are definitely groups where Muwa is like, why would you ever pick them? I play with wolves, and all they want to do is come pop that balloon. So sure. Uh, sure. I understand people just being like, yeah, I never play Muwa ever. Uh, they yeah, also start... I, mean, I, I, th- I think the... The thing about playing Muat in that situation is that you ha- you can't be afraid to sort of threaten to flip the table. You always yeah. have to be. Right. You always yeah, have you to gotta have put, that. You got to play. A- <laughs> That's true. You got to be. You got to learn how to fight against wolves, and it's not just not doing what they want. It's okay. Well, sometimes the wolf eats, you know, poisoned meat or something. <laughs> I'll take the wolf <laughs> okay. out with me if I must. <laughs> right. Uh, so they also start with plasma scoring, which is actually a great uh, tech for them to start with because of those war suns. It means they bombard four on a three. I mean, that's almost always the case with anybody who ends up getting war suns. But the fact that they start with war suns and also start with the plasma scoring means you can actually if if it wasn't going to put you into a weak position, you have a crazy good early game ship because you're going to take literally any planet you want to go take right mm-hmm. in the early game. If, if, if you are willing to move the war sun that far out and go take stuff from people you're going to win early game fights. It's just what happens in the rest of your slice that right. is the problem. Right. Uh, what are our abilities? So our first one is called Starforge. Uh, this is the one that if we get a lot of errata, it's going to be, you guys didn't come up with enough cool ways to use Starforge. And uh, <laughs> there's a lot of people out there real creative with their Starforge. Brian, I'm looking yeah. at you. Um, <laughs> and that's cool and all. Uh, And sometimes, you know what, you'll get to use this ability. How about I read it first? So this is an action. Spend one command counter from your strategy pool to place place Mm -hmm. either a destroyer or two fighters in a system that contains one of your war sons. Your war sons can poop out a destroyer or two (laughs) fighters. And all it costs you is is a CC. Wow, sounds cheap. And it's a stall. Wow, sounds good. Right? Right. Right? No, <laughs> one command counter for only one destroy for one resource worth of units. If you if you if we listen to Magi math, that's one resource worth of ship for three influence worth of command counter. Yeah, that uh, and especially early game when you're like really trying to make those command counters work. This can be so hard to use. It's not bad late game, especially when you need late game stalls and maybe you have the command counter economy and you want to reinforce. These are two great options of things to get out of Starforge. Totally, totally. Two fighters to protect a war sun or destroyers to protect against things like graviton laser systems or things that chew through 
can skip past fighters and will destroy your sustained damage really easily. Like, mm-hmm. destroyers are great, cheap alternatives to killing fighters if you need it. So I love both of these options. It's just so expensive to use it, especially early game. Especially in the, yeah, in the early game when, when we're going to have a, a problem with plastic in general. And, and, and not even just a plastic problem, right? It's like a positional problem. Mm-hmm. We don't have mm-hmm. enough ships to even just like space things out in a way that can make right. you feel comfortable or defended. Um, so in some ways it would feel like, oh, this might like fix that problem. Um, but we just, we have a command counter economy problem. And I can tell you right now, the 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 really good people that are going to listen to this episode are really going to push back, I think, on a lot of the things that I'm saying. And I just want you to remember that you're really good at this game and that this guide <laughs> is for everybody. You know what I mean? You have, right. you can, can look at the game and see, all right, I know exactly where my CC economy is going to be. I can yeah. budget for this Star Forge. Right. But in the context of doing this episode, can I say, just Star Forge? It's good. Right. Just do it right. early. No. Yeah. Because then you're going to waste the CC that you wish you hadn't. And, and then it's going to be my 20, fault. It's right. gonna, you're going to call your lo- your lawyer's going to call me up and be like, "Well, Hunter said I could use Starforge early, and I'm not having that." Okay, I can't. Right. I can't. No more litigation for me. <laughs> uh, their other ability is Gash Life Physiology, and it's your ships can move through supernovas, not stop in, uh, but move through That's supernovas. Different. Now, obviously, uh, early game this is useless. This, this literally doesn't do anything because your your starting Orson only has one movement. Uh, now, if you get a flank speed, I guess it can do something. If you get gravity drive, you can kind of use it. And that was sort of the argument last time we talked about Mua so many yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, But obviously, a three-movement War Sun has even more opportunity to have a supernova not be in their way. But at the same point, all of this is totally conditional because there's only one War Sun on the map. in And maybe not even that in some games, depending on how you built things. Uh, sure. So this is fine. Uh, and can lead to really great moments, but this isn't like an ability that we're super excited to use. Yeah, um, I, I would discourage people from unless you're if you're if you're just trying to get a feel for Muat, building your whole game around where the supernova is placed. Mm-hmm. Like so many people, like in chat on like when I'm playing, so Muat desperately on Twitch, they just <laughs> want me to do supernova plays. It's like I. I yeah, I mean, if if it works, it works. But yeah. I'm not I, like planning for that is right. so kind of bogus to me that yeah. it just doesn't doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, uh, their flagship is the Inferno. Spend one command counter uh, from your strategy allocation to place one cruiser in this unit system. So slightly better than your Starforge, but it has to be with your flagship. And honestly, we have two War Suns to. Well, we have at least one War Sun to build already, and that's our big ship. And then my argument is, then we need like destroyers to gum, and we need destroyers to soak yeah. hits, and we need fighters to soak hits, and like we want cruisers to be able to do other. Stuff. Like the last thing we need is three giant ships on the board, two yeah, war suns, and then supporting fleets actually does what we need it to do. This is not going to be a, a a guide where we emphasize the use of the inferno. I don't think yep. the inferno is one of those flagships that are just useless it's worth noting it's the good type of flagship it hits two on a five and it it has capacity three uh well actually i think they all have capacity three but uh yeah regardless it's it hits two on a five so it's one of the good ones um this is this guide is just going to be so focused on either prototype war sun 2 or going blue muat i'm not even gonna talk about green muat which is a thing um that i don't have a place for the flagship 
right now. Now, I'm sure someone can say like, oh, it's pretty cool if you get Cruiser 2 and then you can use this. But like, I've already talked about how CC economy is one of the primary things that I'm building this guide around. I want I want to solve for that. And this is another thing to spend CCs on. And it's another thing where Magi Math says this is not a good way to build cruisers. So right, right. Uh, So then uh, their promissory note is fires of the gash lie. You give this out and as an action, the player can remove one command counter from Muat's fleet pool and then gain the Warsun unit upgrade. So you are giving away a stall mm-hmm. and Warsun tech. Free mm-hmm. Warsun tech. Now, they still have to build the Warsuns, which is generally what stops anybody from doing anything with Fires of the Gashly. Uh, you right. can have Warsun. The only time I've seen this be useful is when it's literally someone's third or even second unit upgrade tech for the point. And they just want that. They just want a tech. That's how I've used it in the past of like, listen, totally. hey, I can get you a point by selling you a unit upgrade that you'll never use. But hey, you'll use it. But obviously, Hunter's already been talking about command counters and this one costs you a command counter. So you really have to plan ahead for it, right? I mean, yeah, sort of. So so in the game that is on YouTube that you can watch now, it's already out um, by the time you're hearing this. Anyways, uh, I wanted to sell this. I, I do think this is a good promissory note to sell. Yeah. And I think it can fetch a high price depending on the conditions, but it's also like to me, this is a kind of like Sardak situation where it's like we have a lot of problems and selling this promissory note might fix something. That's great, but it does cost us a CC. So yeah. it's like I'm already emphasizing, like, oh man, the, 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 it's rough with the CC thing. Um, but taking leadership often is like something that you should be doing as Muat. I don't end right. up doing it in my game because I have a high influence slice in it. Um, but I would say. Don't be afraid to sell this. Uh, it does cost a CC, but this isn't like the other abilities that we talked yeah. about where you, the idea is if I recommend this, you might do it a whole bunch. You're going to sell this, what, like once? Right. Hope, no, probably, hopefully not more than twice. I mean, I'm right. sure there's some people snickering right now thinking like, oh, I sold it five times. Uh, and good for you. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> you burned five command counters. Right. The other thing <laughs> that I like about it is like kind of what we said earlier. Sometimes you need crazy stuff to happen as Muat to like get you where you need to go. Mm-hmm. So letting letting someone else get a war sun on the board isn't always bad for you. It means that people aren't totally. looking at your war sons as much. They're going, well, also L1Z1X has war sons now. So that's way more of a problem to deal with. Let's go crush them. You have to weigh that against how much power you're giving the person if you're giving them war sons. But again, they're going to spend 12 bucks on a war sun. So you're, if they really want to go that route, like that's honestly the hardest part about Fires of the Gashlight is it can just be very hard to get buyers. Because the price is all out of whack. Because people are like, well, I already got to spend 12 bucks even to get the thing. How much do I really want to spend just to get the tech? Yeah, and that's why I say, uh, that's why I would not give a suggested retail price for Fires of the Gashly. It's, I think it sells for what you need it for. You know what I mean? It depends on how desperate your game is. But we'll get into that more when we get to trade. Sure. Uh, so then to go over their faction tech, uh, first up is a two red requirement, Magmus Reactor, and this got an Omega. So we've talked about this pretty recently, but um, it is your ships can move into supernovas, which is this is now kind of useful. Now, it doesn't have any inherent gain, but it is a cool thing of you get to camp your war suns out in supernovas uh, and then go where, you know, at this point, if you have if you have Magmus Reactor, reactor you're you're going to get Prototype War Sun 2 because it is it is on your path to getting your third red tech. So, like, yes. it's pretty likely that if you got this, you have War Sun 2s, uh, which means 
parking uh, in a supernova, you still have a lot of range and no one's going to come pop that balloon. No one's going to come touch the supernova because nobody else can enter supernovas. Uh, so that part of it is very useful. The second part, though, is even better. Each supernova that contains one or more of your units gains production five as if it was one of your units. So you can you have little space docks that aren't space docks. This is especially useful because uh, doing construction is something we're not going to be super a big fan of. And it's great to like have your space dock at home and then a space dock and a supernova. If that's like convenient to your slice, you can survive the whole game with just that and never do construction ever. And you'll yeah. actually be okay. Um, I'm not saying definitely do that. I'm just saying like, it's great that you have that in your back pocket as an option. Totally. Totally. I, I, I would say like it, it's not that, um, we're allergic to construction or something. Mm -mm. It's like if you just kind of go along. I, I just feel like I keep reemphasizing this command counter thing. Uh, it's like we just might not have the budget to get a yep. forward dock out there. Uh, so this is a nice kind of filling a hole that might mm -hmm. exist for you kind right. of thing. Or the supernova might not be in a good spot. So it may be useless. Yeah. Or you you drew the faction tech secret objective and guess what now you have to research it anyways even yeah. though you might not get to use it all like this guy right, and i'm right. pointing at myself I, I well and honestly either of the tech secret objectives i'm happy to get magnus reactor because i'm already on my way to prototype war sun 2 that's an upgrade so like honestly all of it kind of works together as part of my tech tableau uh, mm -hmm. for things i need for available points so i'm never like crazy upset about having researched magmas reactor beyond the fact of like eh, it may not get much use but it does get use in terms of being a fourth red tech or being a certainly second faction tech or whatever right right um, it's definitely better than like I mean, Duranium is such an awkward use for you, right? Yeah. Which is like the other, the red tech you would get instead at this right. level. Uh, because you can't really afford to tap your War Suns under any circumstance. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, in, in, there is a world, though, where if I have a red skip in my slice, and I know I'm going to have a red skip, I probably do skip Magmus Reactor to get... Or Sun Tuka. I don't like using red skips twice in a game because that's two command counters I didn't get. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. I would rather use the command counter for the stuff and then get Majin. Majin's not horrible anymore. So that's the other reason we're kind of more willing to go for prototype War Sun 2 is like Majin isn't a total bummer to mm -hmm. get. So we get Majin and then uh, if we get a yellow skip or if we get Sarween Tools, we're going to skip Magmus Reactor and uranium uh for totally. war sun twos but totally. that uh, with that out of the way your other faction tech is of course these upgraded war suns we keep talking about which the big benefit of them is the three movement we've kind of already harped on this but the other thing is they are cheaper now they're ten dollar war suns if you didn't skip sarween tools technically speaking with sarween tools they're really a nine dollar war sun if you sure. want to yeah, think yeah, about you, it that way um yeah you can think about it that so, way. so so pretty good i mean that's that's two bucks more expensive than that flagship that we don't care about. So right. this is this is very helpful and and is just a big uh, leads to what our late game gets to be, which is just yes. the fact that three movement war suns means they get kind of all over the place and can do a lot of damage. Um, and finally, you do have four commodities and that's quite good. <laughs> that's good. They needed a good thing. And yeah. that's one. That's a good thing that they got. So that's totally. nice. That's nice that, that they that they got that. And that's just always going to be helpful. <laughs> it's not like the supernova stuff where it's like, man, sometimes it'll work. Sometimes it's not yeah. going to work. Four commodities is always good. Yeah. We always like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's get into before we do the strategy cards, Hunter, you wanted to talk about the the other problems when we've been talking through stuff i mean we've talked at at ad yeah. nauseum about the command counter economy but like what are our other things we're trying to solve for in at yeah. least our early game yeah so um obviously 
um, this this is a guide that's going to heavily recommend Prototype War Sun 2. So that's a lot of tech uh, yep. to get uh, before. And I mean, we're not like crazy viable until we get it, right? Yeah, We've got yeah. these slow War Suns until then. So that's crummy. Um, but so what I'm going to say is round one, what we want to do is we want to get some plastics. We, so we want to do the secondary of warfare. We definitely want to do it via the secondary of warfare, by the way. Yes. Um, because we need to expand to more than just one thing. So we have yeah. that one carrier problem. Right. Even though the carrier is a war son. Uh, and then the other thing is that we want to get some tech. So we, we, we're kind of greedy uh, round one. We've got yeah. the $4 at home yep. uh, for, you know, that obviously neatly pays for tech. Uh, sadly, I'm going to say that priority wise, I'll take the plastic over the tech if things do not go well. Mm-hmm. If we don't mm-hmm. get what we want, uh, I'm definitely going to emphasize plastic. And maybe even I would say that if you are in a situation where you don't get to get tech and plastic, that would maybe be like a blue muat situation for me. Right. Um, okay. Or, or even something more experimental than that. You're like so desperate to have a mid game that you'll go blue first because literally everything else has been thrown out the window. Yeah. You gotta have a you gotta have a mid game. Yeah. Uh, your mid game's got to be not disgustingly awful. Yeah, um, yeah. So and then here's the other thing that's kind of to me kind of a contradiction of Muat. So it's clear at this point that the way I think a lot of the crummier factions are meant to work, and I would describe this as a crummier faction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sue me. Um, <laughs> I will. Is, yeah, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> is that yeah maybe they're not so good at like achieving all of the objectives, but They've got some sort of like way to get Mechatol Rex easily. Mm-hmm. I would definitely say that's true of Muat. Um, you are your War Sons are very good at it. Somebody plops down a PDS, you just laugh at it, and you go after Mechatol Rex and take it from whoever you want. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, I'm gonna say this, and people can push back all they want. Um, I think if you try and race for Mechatol Rex and get that Custodian's point, which would be helpful, right? You're gonna need that point. Uh, you almost always spread yourself too thin and you're not going to, because you had to pay. And the other thing, like I've already said, maybe 70 times bad CC economy. So do we have six influence round two to spend on this custodians token? I think not. I I think your mid game will suffer too much. Uh, if you do this, yes, there's going to be exceptions. Yes, there's going to be times where you luck into a situation where it becomes possible, in which case, do it. You don't need me to tell you that if things are going great that you can take the custodian's token. Yeah. But I mean, generally speaking, we have this weird, like, yeah, we're a Mechatol Rex faction. We should, re- I, I should take politics round one and then and then take leadership round two and go for it. Ugh. And I just feel like winning that race can be its own pitfall. Yeah. So those are the problems. Yeah. The way I describe that pitfall too is you have one very big ship. This is how to like frame your your early game in your head so you understand what the problem truly is. It's you have one big scary ship. Wherever that big scary ship is, that's great for you, but it's Mm -hmm. not everywhere else. And you do not have a good way to be everywhere else. So everywhere else will always be vulnerable to you. So if you go jump on Mechatol, you have that Arborecker Winu problem where the rest of your slice is going to get robbed from you unless you play with like a super chill group. But like tournament play, people are going to come gut you because they know what it's going to get them in the long run. Um, So just always consider, don't think about where your war sun is is because wherever your war sun is that's that's going to work where whatever it wants to do it's going to do the thing it wants but you need to always be thinking about where your war sun isn't yeah 
uh, and in order and in order for you to take any planets, your war sun can't stay yeah. in your home system. I'm sorry right. to say. So yeah. like the, the, there is kind of a problem there of just like, what do we do? Um, right, right. So let's get into our early game strategy card picks, our round one stuff, and just getting us into also how, how we feel about strategy cards throughout the game. Hunter, leadership, you keep talking about command counters being a big deal. Leadership seems like it would be my top choice then, right? Um, for round one, I'm going to kind of take it down a few pegs but like i I would so i'm gonna recommend uh, a couple cards as just like middle of the pack uh-huh. and, and then i'm just gonna list my arguments for them uh and then it's just kind of up to you to figure out which one is the right one this time yeah okay yeah. so i've got two top cards that i know for sure are the top and then a middle of the pack and then some low yeah so yeah leadership's great we, we got a problem with command counters let's get some extra command counters uh the <laughs> The one thing I would say about it is that uh, maybe in this situation where we take leadership, our, our problem is where are we going to get the money? Uh, what's what's good yeah. here is that we're a four-commodity faction. We can now afford to definitely Starforge, mm-hmm. get a destroyer, and send that destroyer to do trade, right? Yeah. Well, that's kind of expensive, right? That's two CCs it took yeah. for us to get three trade goods. So I'm going to kind of leave it up to you. Uh, Hopefully you can find an easy situation into trade. That's what I'm always looking for. Uh, And in this situation where it's like, oh, I'm leadership, I feel like it's a little shaky um, as compared to some of these other choices I've got that I feel like are a little more solid for the middle. I almost said that leadership is mid-low due to kind of a, a lack of options that you might run into right. uh, because we want to build up a command counter stockpile, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. One of the good things about Mua is that going into round two, we can almost always take at least one CC out of fleet pool. So we kind of have one banked um, basically at least one, maybe yeah. even two. Right. Um, but y- you, you don't want to get ahead of yourself and spend uh, too many secondaries. Yeah. I would say that's kind of a mistake. Also, the other thing is that like, People will try and stall you out on Warfare a lot, especially if you have that kind of group. Um, so this might be a situation where you're basically like getting some CCs and then having to spend all of them on Starforge so yeah. that like you don't get stalled out right. now. But at least um, you're getting plastic for that. I, I I agree that it's basically a situation of you have even worse needs round one and then rounds two through five, you have command counter needs. But round yeah. one, you don't actually have like a command counter problem round one because everybody starts with enough command counters to survive well, you round so, one. You sort of do start with a command counter problem because you only have one unit that moves forward. Well, yeah, so you, you, have a, you are very yeah. weak when it comes to stalls, which is probably sure. something I should have said in problems. You are pretty easily stalled out. Yeah. And your only way around it is this thing, Starforge, that is Magi Math not good. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it's expensive right, to right. use Starforge. So um, I would say overall, Leadership is, I think, a stronger pick if you're going to save some of those CCs yeah. for the future. If you're going to spend all of them, then it almost feels like you'd be better off taking something else. Right. Like maybe even the next diplomacy. All right. So this is Weird. what it took. We're there. This is what it took <laughs> we made it. for me to say <laughs> that diplomacy might be a good pick. Yeah. I like it for Muat. Okay. Because Muat is in such a desperate situation early in mid game that. It's almost worth it to just say, yeah, you know what? You're gonna I know you're gonna get to do some some stupid stuff with this. I don't care. Yeah. And just go for it. Right. Um right. 
It, big... it solves your problems is the thing. It, yeah. it, we've now got the money for tech and for plastic. Right. And it's pretty hard for Muat actually to get kind of screwed out of stuff when they have Diplo because the biggest benefit, the reason Diplo is better for Muat than it is for like Winu and Arborek is that four resource home system. So no matter when tech happens, you can do tech. And depending on when your Diplo is going to happen, there are many scenarios where that opens up warfare to you. Yeah. There are only a, there's only like the die hard warfare stall that's going to hurt you in this situation. Every other situation is not that bad for you because you can always use Diplo to either refresh Muad itself and a second planet or two planets out there. And all you actually need to survive is $3. $3 really saves your round um, because that's what's going to get you your second carrier. Um, right. So the stall is the only last thing that can hurt you. And sometimes Diplo gets to be leverage in that stall. Right. Yeah, I would say if you if you have a group that is open to the idea of you taking Diplo and then getting to negotiate with Warfare and Tech and get those secondaries popping at the right time, yeah. then certainly. I, I would say this is a situation, too, where if I take Diplo and people are just saying, like, no, we're not going to play nice with the with the secondaries, well, you technically, and this is this is the type of stuff that you maybe have to do as Muai, and it sucks, you you technically have quite a few stalls if you want to. And you mm. could basically say like, you know what? Fine, I'm not going to get to do, um, I'm not going to get to play this the way that I wanted. I can waste a lot of CCs uh, and just try and make it so that none of you get to use diplomacy in a fun way right. uh, if you don't play nice with me as far as the timing of this warfare thing. Right. I, that's the type, those are the type of negotiations that it's it's almost like a, I might have to take myself down with this ship if you guys aren't going to be, uh, aren't going to help me get a leg up. So I would say diplomacy, you have to kind of use it to get some, uh, some leverage there. I, I would also say that routinely, uh, early game Muat, vulnerable home system round one, you might have the type of group that does cheesy, you know, round one uh, blockade your space yeah, dock yeah. stuff. And this is going to protect against that. That's right. good. Yeah, That's you good. You can diplo your home. Yeah, that is nice. Let's talk about politics, though. Politics is an interesting one, I feel like. Um, yeah. It's, I w- I'm going to put diplomacy, leadership, and politics kind of in the same nebulous middle zone. And I think depending on who you are, you might favor politics more than I do. Mm-hmm. I think I, I rate it a little bit lower, um, mostly because I kind of like the idea of trying to get all of our all of our stuff done in round one than I like. Well, the approach of politics is essentially this. Defer. Um, <laughs> we defer the tech, right? So we're going to get plastic done round one, and then round two, we're going to take tech and double tech. I feel like double teching in general has kind of gone out of favor with me unless you're just ahead on a lot of different fronts. Right. And in with Muat, we don't generally get to do that. Um, so I feel like having to spend six round two, six resources on that, it just feels like it could hurt a little bit. I, w- I would rather continue to build plastic, a little bit of plastic, one tech, a little bit of plastic, one tech. I like that flow better. But... There's obviously some other things that you might get out of politics that are interesting. You might draw an early game flank speed, which for you is awesome. Yeah, that's um, good. And any sabotages. Sabotage is always yeah, great, right? Obviously. So yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. that's some stuff that's all good to have in the pocket. I just feel like with with a, with your war son and early game flank speed can can really change the scope of your mid game mm-hmm. um, and help you do something dastardly. Um, I would also say. 
that um, if you have a Hakan in the game, you should probably be checking in with them to see if they have a flank speed and try and buy it off of them uh, for sure. That's just a random aside, yeah, obviously. It doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about right <laughs> now. Um, like we said before, do not worry about trying to get the custodian's token. So if you take politics, this is not a play into leadership in order to go for Mechatol Rex, you know, unless obviously a bunch of weird stuff happens. I think that is uh, pushing it too far. Yeah, that flank Um, speed in tow makes it even more enticing, but still maybe not the right path unless you like really solve some plastic problems. Right. The other thing to note with politics is that uh, it is possible uh, that you will draw a stall that will be helpful in case uh, someone is trying to muscle you with the warfare secondary. Um, so that would be like, a, we don't have to star forge yet because I got I drew X card. Yeah, or whatever. yeah, right. Um, so that's helpful. But yeah, I will say in in this situation where we take politics, all we're going to do is the warfare secondary, and that that's it. I mean, it's going to be a pretty slow start. But hopefully with uh, double tech next time, especially I'll say this double teching. uh, I don't love it because we are kind of somebody hurting for influence and money and all of the resources that we could be hurting for. Um, However, if you don't have any skips, obviously at some point you're probably going to have to double tech if you're wanting to get prototype right on too. I mean, there's just not enough time in the game for you to just slowly, you know, not get any extra tech outside of the like one tech each round, right? Yeah. I like framing this as it can be as good as Diplo and leadership, basically. And that being kind of the end of the argument is just like, you know, it's it can be as good as one of those two. They're all in this same sort of mid-tier level. So, you know, read your table, figure out what's going to be good. The other thing about politics is always the idea that you can sell the speaker token if trade, you know, if trade to your right took it, especially if it's like Hakan with trade to your right, but you can sell them the speaker token for like lots of money. That could be great. Little little things like that to keep an eye out for that might push politics above Diplo or leadership. Let's talk about construction. Um, so I think for once I like construction less than Diplo, obviously, uh, for Muat. Uh, a forward dock is not a bad thing. I definitely don't want to make it sound like we're arguing against a forward dock. Right. It's just we've got a lot of needs and... That's not high enough on the priority yeah. list. Yeah, and the really. space dock doesn't solve any problems because our real goal is to get those three movement war suns. And once we have three movement war suns, forward docks aren't even really like pertinent to me right now in the early and mid game. A forward dock is just another territory I have to try to control with not enough units. <laughs> That's a very good point. Actually, we don't have the plastic to put these other basically targets. Yeah, on uh, on the table so early so that's why it feels like kind of uh not great also i'll say like pds muat might be a thing out there for somebody it's not a thing there out there for me uh maybe it works maybe it doesn't i didn't test it i don't intend on testing it it's one of those like you have a killer slice and you're just never even gonna leave your like in in those dream scenarios where it's just like yeah i just put pds everywhere and a war sun in the one spot my pds don't cover and i actually can coast the whole game construction it's fine it's it's not Actually, well, I mean, I guess I'm not saying it's fine. I'm saying like I would probably under no circumstance actually pick construction because I would just pick Diplo instead. Um, Actually, one more problem I want to mention about construction before we move forward is that essentially we're not very like you don't want your first action to be moving the war sun if you can help it. Obviously, in a lot of situations, you might not have a choice. Um, But with the construction take, 
you're moving the war sun and then using construction. Otherwise, you're letting basically everyone get kind of their choice picks. Unless I guess construction is first action and you plop down two PDS in your home system, which now it just kind of smells like what's even what's the point of any of this, <laughs> um, to be honest. So I, yeah, I would I would say construction is crazy low for me. Um, let's talk about trade. So trade is, I would say, my tippity top. Um, I think it's probably the best one. Uh, I think it's it's narrowly ahead of technology because there are some circumstantial circumstantial situations where trade might not be the best. Um, first of all, the problem is we don't have any trade ships, right? So we need an easy way to get around this problem without for sure having to use Starforge. Now, maybe we do use Starforge. I, I've seen people outline... In fact, Jahan was talking to me about an opening where you literally pop trade action one, spend the spend the three trade goods on a CC in order to use Starforge and then send a destroyer in order to trade. I'm going to say that's a little bit like kind of just like moving money around and not making enough money in order to justify it. But it also depends a lot on your meta. Some metas are like very cutthroat about warfare stalling. And if that's the case, like maybe you have to go this far in order to get around it. I, the way Hunter likes to think about it, is maybe there's a place where we get a neighbor without having to do much. Um, Possibly even, I would almost rather negotiate a favorable trade with somebody if they're just willing to be the one that moves the trade ship near me. Something like instead of an X minus one, just a straight up four for four. Now we've made like seven bucks, right? Like that's that's really going to help a lot. Um, So yeah, we don't have any trade ships, so we need to figure out a way around that. Also, like this doesn't help us with the stalling as I've sort of already covered. So, um, but the thing is at the end of the day, uh, we make you know we make the money that we needed in order to accomplish our goals of both plastic and tech. In a lot of situations, it's going to be your tippity top pick. I can honestly just kind of throw technology in and basically say almost all the same things, right? <laughs> so it's like it's like tech is the same story, yeah, yeah. Um, essentially. And but and but actually, tech. The only extra thing I would throw on with tech is it's obviously harder to get stalled out of warfare when you have tech. So that's important to know. Right. And I think in some cases. Uh, depending on the meta, tech actually could be a better pick using this logic. Um, let's talk about warfare, though, because I think that's the controversial one. Um, I don't think warfare is very good for Muat. Uh, I think that encourages you to move your war sun too far away. Uh, in the case of you moving your war sun out, playing warfare, moving it again. Uh, I think that is a bad dynamic positionally. Um, you're just kind of leaving. You, you have this one war sun that's safe, and then all the rest of your plastic is just kind of spread really thin, uh, makes you look really vulnerable. And like I said, custodian token, probably don't want to take that in a lot of situations. Um, And honestly, and also the other thing too is you can't stall it really. You're not really that good at that without having to, you know, star forge a bunch, not get tech, you know, the, the other situation that you described, Matt, which is like a activate at home, build at home situation is actually worse than a lot of the other stuff right. that we second like that's actually worse than warfare Diplo. is like everybody's going to get all sorts of units and be ready to do kind of anything they want so it's like right. a nightmare scenario for you because you you gained very little out of building at home and then moving exactly out. all you did was accomplish half of our objectives which is we want plastic and we want tech um and then we've already covered tech tech's good it's good it's good it's good <laughs> okay so round one is a big deal and we've covered it but to me, uh, the the bigger decision comes after that, where 
the difference in these two guides is now <laughs> what we need to sort of settle on and, and kind of make a little bit more specific, right? Previous Muot guide was blue Ot, blue tech, and now we actually are leaning more into the red tech. Can we break down a little bit more of what that looks like and what we are trying to accomplish with our tech path? Yeah, um, so essentially what it comes down to with, with Muot at this point is that if we can get a red or yellow skip or both, um, which is, I feel like back in the day, we talked about that as if like, oh, well, I don't know if you will be mm-hmm. in, it feels like in most games, like you can find a way to get, well, those are half the skips yeah. that I just listed. If you take the, red the patience as a virtue line of thinking, I mean, he, he thinks he doesn't consider a faction until he's looked at the slice and then he goes, okay, these are the ones I'm now considering. So if you take that line of thinking, you don't pick Muat until you see the red or yellow skip, right? That, so there's, there's that, there's that way to think about Muat is like, don't even, don't do it if you're not going to have the tools that you need. If you're not going to have a little bit of influence and some red skips, which really, those are synonymous, right? I mean, if you have the red right. skips, you have some influence in your slice. Uh, but then the yellow skip is obviously also important. Do you prefer one over the other, or is it the normal red skips suck to use because it burns influence? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you just answered the question yeah. right there. Uh, the yellow skip is definitely the one to get if you're only going to get one. Uh, however, Prototype War Sun 2 is worth enough to warrant a single red skip. Yes. I mean, like... It's not that I would even balk at using it. In fact, in the YouTube video, uh, I did use it for for that purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, and and also there's always the opportunity to uh, find a find a upgrade moment outside of the action phase, yeah. uh, which I believe I actually lucked out and got to do that. So so I was able to use that red skip. Now that I think about it, without actually even suffering right. that cost. That's a dream. So you want to be able to do something like yeah. that. That's great. Um, but I mean, just to describe. The tech path, I mean, it's, it's our tech path dis- discussions have kind of gotten to a point where like, to me, they're like kind of obvious. It's like, just fill out the thing. Yeah. But uh, we've got Sarween, which is very skippable, skippable. We would like to skip that. Majin, Destroyer 2, uh, Magmus Reactor, or Duranium, yeah. depending on the situation. Right. Magmus, you're only doing if the supernova is relevant to your game and otherwise right. don't waste your time on it. Unless- most most of the time I would say get Magmus even if you don't think that because once you have the prototype War Sun 2, maybe that supernova across the map might see a little action. Right, right. right? That's because true. they can move three now. Yeah. So so I only say Duranium if your <clears throat> if your build kind of warrants that. Like if you've been building dreadnoughts for some reason. Yeah then sure, maybe maybe Duranium is going to be worth if it. If you've got two sabotages um, in hand at this point and you feel pretty sure, safe with yeah. your sustained damage. Exactly. Yeah. There are some places where Duranium might be worth it, um, is all I'm really trying to say. Um, and then we get Prototype War Sun 2, and then from, from that point, I feel like it's just get whatever you think is going to make sense for you. In my game, I ended up going blue mm-hmm. after doing this because I needed anti-mass deflectors because I had asteroids in the way. So I would say once you get Prototype War Sun 2, just supplement with the things that make sense. Now, you'll notice we haven't actually done 2 and 2, two, and two at all mm-hmm. at this point. Right. So that's why I say this is like in, in this tech path, the goal is to get to Prototype War Sun 2 as quickly as we can yeah. and to put off the tech objectives. Right. Obviously, two upgrades will get that right in, yeah. on yeah. this path. 
but we're not getting two and two until after, right? right? So hopefully with our single war sun, we can accomplish control objectives that are out. Maybe we can find a way to do spendies, even though that's hard. Um, Just put those tech objectives off until later. Well, and in the later game too, like if you get that second war sun out in that later game, it's actually a little bit easier to sit on the tech objective in your you know like keep the war sun at home like if, you, if you've gotten the work done in the mid game of like getting some control objectives done you can kind of sit back and like okay let's now just finish out that tech while my war sun defends my home system i'm not going to lose that like i'm, I'm not going to lose any right. ground here i actually can kind of rest easy and just re-divert energy into tech Sure. Or, I mean, I will say this. I don't feel like Muad is especially good at accomplishing those secret objectives. Mm-hmm. So once the prototype War Sun 2 comes out, hopefully that's when you can start, you know, getting things like any action phases yeah. done. Obviously, you're really great at making an example. Yeah. That's kind of your thing. That's kind of <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Though, as far as like the things that you're notably good at. Um, but like, yeah. I think I ended up chasing fleet logistics after doing this build, but that's like way too much to suggest. Right, you had a crazy game. tech game. I mean, you had you had yeah. some wild options for tech in, in your particular right. game. So then, but I would say most of the time you want to try and have a crazy yeah. tech game if you're playing as Muad. You want to take tech and double tech at, at some point. Right, right. So what what happened to to Blue Muad? What's really the argument of why we shut it down? We we sort of said this earlier, but I feel like I want to reiterate like. What happened to our mentality on Gravity Drive first, Muat? Uh, I I just don't think that. So like even in the original guide from whenever that was, oh my god, <laughs> so long ago, um, I hadn't actually won any game right. as Muat. Yeah, um, I was playing mostly Blue Muat and not making it happen. And I feel like as time has gone on. I've come around on factions that generally are a slower start Mm -hmm. into like a big payoff. Yeah. So if you're willing to play the slow game in the early game into a decent mid game and then finally a great late game, I'm thinking like, honestly, I feel like in some ways Sardak prepared me for kind of letting go of this just like, no, just go like AMD into grab drive so that you're, so that your uh, War Sun can move two and forget about Prototype War Sun two because I think that you just get screwed over too many times yeah. from that. I mean, like late game in uh, the YouTube video, you'll see I draw the um, faction upgrade yeah. secret objective. That if you go That's blue eyes, that is a dead. Right. That is a dead secret objective. And both of them are four and one away. color. Like you're gonna have difficulty going four blue. Sure. With blue eyes, sure. so yeah, it just doesn't quite pay off. It. It feels better in that mid game. This is what we talked about earlier, but it like it does feel better in the mid game to be blue watt, but it doesn't have any payoff. It doesn't get you right. anywhere in the long run. Uh, and th- and that's kind of why it has fallen to the wayside. Yeah. I mean, we can describe it for you real quick. It's sure. AMD grab drive neural. Uh, I will say fighter two is a fun upgrade mm-hmm. for Muat. Be- having the versatility of the fighters being able to move around from like, maybe there's a big cluster by, um, you know, the war sun and then they spread out into gum like that versatility is really fun and makes a lot of sense for them. Um, I don't know if it's not better than prototype war sun too, but it's <laughs> right. But it is. It is good. Yeah. yeah. Um, Daxiv is fairly skippable uh, into hyper. 
carrier two is a little unnecessary. Honestly, mm-hmm. you have a you have a very Six good carrier capacity, in a war zone. Yeah. Right. Um uh, infantry too, I can see making sense for for Muat. Well, but um, even then, I mean, you've bombarded everything off of the planets most of the time. That's always been my issue with blue green. Sure, Muat sure. is is Muat is gonna wipe the floor with the bombardment, and so the infantry is just cleaning up at that it's, point. It's 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 really more about hyper. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Be- because you have a CC economy problem, hyper, hyper is, is nice. a very good choice for you. See, I mean, it's like it's like hard to it's hard to even know like what what upgrades are going to be useful for blue Muat because so much of it, it doesn't play into your strengths. Yep, it's kind right. of just like generic. Yeah. Good upgrades. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk, uh, trading, but more importantly, meta, because I, I feel like, um, just calling this a trade section doesn't do it enough justice. I mean, we talked about their promissory note being good and, and we love four commodities, but I, th- I think there's so much more at work with Muat because you start the game with the scariest unit on the board. Yeah, it's pretty weird. Um, so yeah, you're, you're scary. Um, I, I feel like there's this, what, what I, I may, I may have already said it earlier in the episode, but I feel like discussions with Muat get like fairly tilty mm-hmm. really easily because you, it's like what we described before way, way back. All of your eggs are in one basket yeah. and the egg in the basket is a gun, right? <laughs> so like, it, you're brittle, but you have this really scary thing in your pocket. So, like, I feel like there's a lot of situations with a muat where if somebody's kind of testing you, you have to let them know that you might throw this game. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is that is definitely something that you have to keep in your pocket. And I don't really like playing that way, which is one of the reasons I don't like muat. Yeah. I still don't like yeah. muat. Okay, but. That because that's just extortion it, it is not makes my game. So much sense why this is like Zen, one of Zendog's favorite factions. Because Zendog is sure. so that way of like, if you mess with me, I will come guns a blazing. So you are better off sure. just not messing with me. Yeah. So so it's it's easy for a Muat game to get kind of tilty, kind of mm-hmm. like, uh oh, like we're so and so seems mad, and 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 now we're gonna fight basically. <laughs> um, so, but, but letting people know that you're willing to play dirty yeah. as Muat, I think is entirely necessary because all you have is this one nasty trick right. for, you know, the first three rounds. Uh, I mean, and that's a good scenario Yeah, yeah. where it's just one for the first three, three rounds. Well, and, and we talked uh, earlier about the promissory note. I love diverting some attention away from you. If you can get the right price for it, like selling that thing across the table to mm-hmm. get some decent money or whatever it is, if it's a point or something like that, that's great. And ideally you sell it to someone who actually can afford to build a war sun because you would kind of love somebody else to be. Cause at the, uh, again, if we're talking about prototype war sun to Muat, you're going to have the scariest war sun it, it in the end sure. game like you, yeah, you yeah, will yeah. you will get to that point where you still have this crazy range to get out and do whatever you want but in the mid game you can actually divert some attention away from yourself by having somebody else at the table with warsons now i haven't seen this happen very often so i'm not suggesting it as like a strategy to a, attempt all the time but it certainly yeah. can be helpful uh in the games where you can't get the heat off your back sure i i i think it's more about the kind of principle of being like you're 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 a poor man, yep. right? Yep. Um, and and you have this uh you you have this little inheritance, you know, and it's just this family heirloom that's been passed <laughs> down, and it's worth a lot of money. And if you sell it, you'll make some money. 
but uh, you, but if you sell it, you also might regret that you've sold right. it, right? So I would say you're in anytime you're playing as Muat. Uh, in the early game, you're in a, a fairly desperate position. Yeah. So kind of consider how desperate this particular Muat game is playing right. and let that guide you when it comes to whether you're going to sell the promissory now. If you're not feeling good on round two, get it out there. Right. Because who cares? Like, yeah, yeah, it might it might bite you in the butt if if you sell this mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Because it, your, your enemies, regardless of what, what you just said, your enemies having a war sun is not good. Sure. You know, war suns are bad, right? <laughs> war sun's bad. So, Got it. War sun's bad. And, <laughs> and, and, and that sucks. So... So essentially, I guess what I'm saying is like, trust trust your situation, but don't be afraid to sell it. Yeah. Don't treat it as like, a, at all costs, I will not yeah, sell yeah. this thing, because that's silly. Well, and, and okay? what's what's great about Muat is you at least have these tools compared to like a Sardak where it's like, we're in trouble early and we have no way to do anything about that. We have right. four commodities. At the end of the day, we have that. We We are getting in on trades. Even sure. you said it earlier, even just with round one, like there are decent chances where people will send their stuff towards us just to trade with our four commodities. And that's going to last sure. all game long. So once you get stuff out on the board, you are going to make some money every single round. That That's a right. guarantee. And you need to just be doing the right stuff with that money, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I also want to call out that your ceasefire uh, oh, yeah. is very valuable. Mm-hmm. It, it all ceasefires are not all worth the same. Okay. Right. Um, and I would say the Muat ceasefire is on the higher end as far as value is concerned. Yeah. Um, in fact, it's it's kind of, dis- I mean, Muat is, even a Muat at its full potential is really just two fast war suns. Right. So that means after you've activated, after you've used those two war suns, that's it. You're completely tapped yeah. <laughs> out as far as your magical abilities right. in the late game. So having a ceasefire of Muat's and that's great. Right. It's not like with, you know, with any other faction where they might have a big fleet that might activate over here and then activate over here and yeah, activate yeah. over here. No, you two activations. <laughs> so so get so uh the, and this is another principle like with the promissor the the faction promissory note. Um you know, be careful not to sell the ceasefire to somebody that you might really regret, yeah. but also you might have to sell it. Right. Like that might just be the game you're having right, uh, right. and sell it for a high price. Okay. Yeah. That, I think that's the bigger tip out of this is just that like recognize that your ceasefire has quite a bit of value. Don't do a ceasefire swap unless it's like uh, you're also getting a high value. You know, if you're getting necros sure. ceasefire and you can keep them from getting prototype war sun twos, that's pretty delicious. Love that. See, I wouldn't I wouldn't even say that the Necro Ceasefire is worth that much. Yeah. Though, because the yeah. thing is, Necro activates you all the time sure. with various levels of risk. Shots, yeah. You know what I mean? And they have, like, their command counters are not <laughs> a problem for them. So they yeah, can they burn don't the care activation. about that. That's totally true. But yeah, keep keep an eye out for what you really can get for a ceasefire. Yeah. So totally. get me into the the mid game here then. I mean we we've so we we've talked about the fact that we actually kind of struggle in the mid game because we're not doing that blue muat. So what how are we getting over the hurdle of the mid game as as muat trying to get to that prototype war sun too? Yeah. So I mean we really just have to focus on fixing our economy. We got to focus on uh essentially uh managing our slice in such a way that we're getting enough command counters mm-hmm. uh maybe maybe that means we we maybe we don't have a good slice in which case we're gonna have to take leadership and like work on that um maybe it means we have to take a risky move for mechatol rex to just for the influence yeah right not even just about 
uh, having Imperial, um, we have to either play nice with our neighbors. Uh, I love the idea of an early game Muat trading points with people. Fine, trade yeah. points, whatever. You know what I mean? Whatever you got to do to stay competitive through the crappy parts yeah. so that we can get to the good part where you have fast war Yeah, you can't put a war sun on Mechatol your home system and the equidistant. So find out no. ways to trade the equidistant, like get something yeah. for the equidistant that you can't necessarily hold all game. If they'll play nice, you play nice. Yeah. But if they start crabbing up, <laughs> if they don't want to deal, then you need to tell them that you have a war son. You need to remind them of that. You know what I mean? So, so make it, if, if it's, I'm not saying that if they want to play nice, you be mean, you'd be like, no, I have a war son. I don't have to, I don't have to be nice to you. You do need to be nice to them, actually. Okay. <laughs> and they're saying, hey, let's let's uh let's trade let's trade some points here. Yeah, no, you say yes. You're right, taking that right, deal. Right. Okay. I'm telling you what to do right now. This is well, not because that's, guide that's literally what's that's that's the only way you might get points in the mid game. Because sometimes you get those Muwak games where you literally just don't score round three because totally. like you totally. can't get where you have to freaking get. So you're very pleased as punch to like let people maneuver around you in exchange for points for yourself because the whole point is as we get into the late game we are hoping to you know pull the safety off the gun and get ready to go right 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 we're gonna pull our egg gun out of the basket <laughs> and we're gonna show them what it can do you know what i mean uh so yeah and and just and just remember so if, if you're scared of playing nice as mua in the early and mid game like eventually the goal here is that prototype war sun 2 even if they outbuilt you on plastic mm-hmm uh, I think that Warson will find a place to go yeah. that will... There are fights on the board you can win, for yeah, sure. Th- exactly. That's... Dude, that is... That is actually... You said that kind of jokingly, but I feel like that is kind of a backbone of the whole, yeah. like, forget about Blue Muat. Yeah. If you have Prototype Warson 2, there is somewhere you can put it <laughs> that is going to help you. I promise you that. You are not limited in that way. Right, Okay. Right. Well, and it's it's not just about you being able to take with ease. I mean, the War Sun theoretically defends pretty well, too. I mean, even if it's burning, you know, you take and then like your next action is to reinforce with a Star Forge destroyer sure. or a couple totally. of fighters, their uh, retaliation attack may never happen because they're just like, I don't I can't submit every single other ship I own to just trying to get that thing back. So a lot of times yeah. you get to keep it for the duration of the round. So the main thing to me is the idea that you're not just like doing random attacks. You're getting like, it's now to get the attack to do the thing that gets you exactly the point this round. And then you probably leave next round. Sure. You're not, I, I don't think a Muat that invests in like two round strategies that revolve around control. This is how I play too often is when I'm, when I'm playing as yin or ghost or something, I'm thinking I want to get there so that I can get there so that I can get the point over there or whatever. I'm thinking about the three tech skips and like, okay, I'm going to get that two rounds from now. I think Muat kind of gets the war suns where they are and then like can't over invest, right? It's the whole reason we couldn't go for Mechatol round one. It's like, I can't just send those things out into the wild blue yonder and expect to be okay Right, round right. five. Well, and and they're fast, so that's that's They'll not come home quickly or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's that's that easier to do. But also, it's important to note that it. I think it should most of the time be a part of our strategy to take Mechatol Rex from whoever took it. Yeah. Um. We we talked about that earlier, but I just want to mention in you know if we're talking late game and you don't have Mechatol Rex, 
maybe you should look into it. getting yeah. it. Like you should probably get it. <laughs> right. You should probably take that. Yeah. I mean, um, a good a good final or second to last muat round is an imperial swing round, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's it's you didn't do super great in the mid game. You are kind of behind the pack. People are starting to let you get away with stuff. You get to take imperial, and people are like, ah, it's just muat. He can get. He's only at four points. But then you use that round to get to eight or nine points. And right. suddenly in the final round, you're a threat that people can't deal with. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally think that's a great way to put it. Um, so, I mean, I th- I think we we get in the late game. We have Mexal Rex. We have two War Suns out upgraded um, with, like, some upgraded destroyers mm-hmm. as uh, for supports in order to just, like, kind of peel down everybody else's um, uh, fighter screens, yeah. which I guess is not really even a term we use anymore. Uh, because Destroyer 2's rule. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so just just support those War Sons and they will do what you need them to do. I mean, it's like kind of, it's very complicated describing their, like this is a very, uh, not top heavy, maybe like bottom heavy yeah. episode because getting through the early game for Muat can be such a chore. Yep. But once you get to the late game and you have two prototype War Sun 2's, you don't really need me to tell you what to do with them. Right. I mean, I'm sure right. you'll figure it out. Like, <laughs> if I get you there, if you're listening to this yeah. and I get you to the point where you have prototype War Sun 2, you don't need my advice anymore. Yeah. Like, yeah. you can now figure it out. Um, <laughs> anyone could. It's it just you have those abilities. Right. Now use it, basically. Well, and and I think, too, to sort of wrap things up with this, I, I want people to, to be totally aware of the fact that, like, using this strategy guide doesn't mean you're going to win as Muad all the time. No, because what we're talking about is a strategy guide that relies on you sort of surviving the early and mid game by the, you know, hair in your chinny chin chin. So there's mm-hmm. going to be games where you end the game at five points because the early and mid game was such bad objective draws that couldn't you couldn't do anything with and the slice didn't have the influence you needed. That's I mean, that happens. And there's not really a reliable, great way out of it when that happens. Right. So you're going right. to have games that flounder. But when you get the right slice you need and you're getting decent enough objectives, you can be a like terrifying force in the late game. Totally. If you survive to that point. Yeah. And you know what? I'll say this. Um, I don't, they're not my style, but they, I see what is fun about them. Yeah. But they're just not my style. Right. right, So that's, that's about if, if this is, you know, the next step in, in my arc with Embers of Muat on the show, this has been like a running storyline, mm-hmm. you know, one of the biggest story. It's kind of a will they, won't they <laughs> with me and those big baskety mm. metal people. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I still think it's won't, but maybe like, maybe we'll hang out now and again. Yeah. You know, right. it's like. It's like we had something. It didn't work out. You're friends now. And, now you're just friends. Right. And now we're just friends. And now it's like <laughs> there was this season where we were just apart completely. And now it's like, I think they can just be friends. And then now there are those people that can be like, I think they can be more than friends again. I do too. And that's that's what the next. And, and we're about to get in. We're, we're here in a minute after we do some rundown. We're going to do some POK spoilers. And let me tell you. Muat maybe has a chance back in because I'm I'm just I'm really to my cool. heart. To, we'll I see. think so. I don't know. I mean, I there's some stuff, bud. <laughs> but let's do some rundown. Hey, I want to thank all of our weird bears: Farganess, TG Welch, Brian, Botbot, and Callowin, and our Space Kitties: Naderade, Patience is a Virtue, Polyphony Requiem, Rwise, Gazkio, Dark Jutsu, Absol, Istoria, Ready Action, and Vision S. 
Oh, um, vote in the polls mm-hmm. for Galactic Council and Hunter Donaldson Fan Club. Those polls are up. I don't even remember what they are. I'm not even going to remind you. They're just it's they're up. there. Go, go check them out. Check them out. Yeah, check them out. Um, Space Kitty Pin still in manufacturing. Have not gotten the picture of it. I want it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I might. I. I. They. They haven't given me an update as far as timelines now, but um, according to the original timeline, I should have it literally any day. Yeah. Um, and Weird Bear logo for the Weird Bear jerseys are in progress. Um, here is our Twitch schedule. Oh, man. Uh, sit down because it's wild. <laughs> it's a big weekend uh, coming up. So if you like us, there's a lot to watch. Yeah. Um, on Friday, October 16th at 11 a.m., these are all Central Daylight Times mm-hmm, or whatever, mm-hmm. um, CDT. Uh, at 11 a.m. on Friday, I'm going to play as the Ghost of Creus because we just got to get these guides finished. Mm-hmm. And I got play. We're in an all-out sprint. I literally think our next three episodes are the rest of the guides. If Probably. things don't go wrong, <laughs> with maybe one. Yeah, not, one sneak. Yeah, in. I don't know. We'll see. Right. Um, and then Friday, October sixteenth at eight p.m., uh, we're doing the final route hype game for the tournament. It's kind of a pre-tournament kickoff fun time. Yeah. Uh, me and Matt are going to commentate it. Yes. And we're going to run it as kind of a dry run for the tournament games that will be happening the next day on Saturday, October 17th at 12 p.m. and 6 p.m. You will have the first two games of the root tournament, game one and game two, Mm -hmm. 12 p.m., 6 p.m., Saturday, October 17th. And then following that (laughs) on Sunday, October 18th, you've got two more root tournament games at 12 p.m. and 6 p.m. Central. That's game three and game four. You've got four games of root this weekend you have five games you of can, root you have five games of root this weekend and a ti game yeah what more do you want okay <laughs> tell me because i th- i feel like i'm already giving it to you um and then for the youtube this week um after i finish that ghost game i'm gonna throw it up win or lose yep. same promise i made you with the muat thing right you'll get what you get maybe i blow it maybe i don't maybe you won't get anything good out of it (laughs) i don't like it when i say i'm putting the video up before i've even played the game but i'm gonna do that so we'll see what happens and you can also uh rate our show on itunes or apple podcasts uh give us a five-star rating if you liked what you've been checking out um we're you know things are kicking up into even higher gear once Prophecy of Kings releases like I'm very stoked for what's going to happen and to to be that frank is coming you, up so quick I know it's Matt. it's it freaking me like out really how, how soon that is I mean we're like a month to a month and a half away uh, and I mean to, to be frank like Hunter and I are currently in a in a situation where we're trying to get me full time with the show so every little bit counts right now of of you know five star ratings being a part of our patreon all that stuff talking to you know we're, we're, we're trying to do everything we can because the second i'm also full-time hunter and i can kick these sorts of tournament events into high gear and do even more stuff it, um, it'll be completely different yeah. and it's either i mean i'll just to maybe throw a little more um i don't know heat on it uh, he either goes full time or I'm firing. Him. So it's like <laughs> right. it's kind of a do or die moment for Matt. He he is either leaving the show and I will just talk for two hours uh-huh. every week to you uninterrupted. Oh just me. Save Hunter's vocal cords. Get get him a co-host. That's you either get that or Matt goes full time. Okay. So get on it. Okay. It is time. It's time for some POK spoilers. Uh, we are, I'm going to, this week, I'm going to start. Well, hey, wait, I just want to say welcome to Magi. 
who uh, has skipped to this point. Yeah, hi, Magi. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for joining uh, us. Uh, and then and many others. We know there's many others, but, but... We know there's many of you that don't listen to the show anymore and only <laughs> listen to the spoilers. Uh, okay, I want to start with the faction uh, the, the faction component this week, uh, because what, what is actually juicier this week is the non-faction thing. Uh, but the faction component we're doing this week is the Muat agent who goes by the name Umbat, U-M-B-A-T, Umbat, Umbat. Umbat. Uh, and Umbat, I'm going to read the flavor text this time. I have not been doing this. <clears throat> Umbat is the forge master. From outside, <laughs> the forge appeared to be a perfectly smooth sphere of quicksilver, albeit one ringed by humming mango coils. <laughs> is that that's that's, not right? It says, it? <laughs> when the, it says mango coils? Mango hyphen coils, but when the forge So master... you're telling me these egg-shaped <laughs> robots have food-themed like tech <laughs> but when the forge master diverted the flow of raw base elements into its center he began to ripple and bubble and within minutes a fully formed colossus emerged from its core this is it like the literally birth. sounds like cooking yeah that cooking. literally sounded you cook like a little cooking. mango you get a little umbat and here's what umbat is as an action exhaust this card to choose a player that player may produce up to two units that each have a cost of four or less in a system that contains one of their war sons or their flagship. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. This is a fun. Dane has done these interesting uh, little sneak. You know, Winu and Arborek and Muat all have like bad round ones because they don't have like the second carrier and stuff. Not anymore. And, they and don't. he's found all these tricky ways where he gets to kind of say, "Yeah, yeah, get yourself a carrier," but like. Well, it's, it comes with some caveats, I guess. So, but this one is, I mean, you get to build two units. So you get to build your carrier and a destroyer, right? I mean, you, you literally mm -hmm. only start with one unit anyways. Your first action every game as Muat can just be this. Just build yep. your carrier and a destroyer and you're ready to go. It's very Now you cool. have to burn your home. I mean, you are, you're not just... You're not just getting those units for you free. You are producing free. them. So there is still kind of like a tech situation with Muat now. Like you can build your units to expand, but now you still need to find four bucks to do tech, right? Sure, so. but you can't be stalled out yes. for warfare. Right. That's the big part. You don't like, need go warfare. Back and now you do not it, need warfare. Go back and listen to this, the, this episode. The, this episode. <laughs> go back and listen to... I want to cite... There's this episode we just did. <laughs> Have you heard the one we do about Muat? Because <laughs> we spent a lot of time talking about being worried about getting stalled out on warfare. Yeah. That's out the window. Right. That's gone now. Right. That's gone. Okay. That's awesome. Okay. Bigger news. Bigger deal. Uh, we, we have a red tech that has not been, uh, you know fully revealed, revealed yet so today i have to present to you our level zero red tech is ai development algorithm when you research a unit upgrade technology you may exhaust this card to ignore any one prerequisite when one or more of your units use production you may exhaust this card to reduce the combined cost of the produced units by the number of unit upgrade technologies that you own. <laughs> Mic drop. Yeah. So I, I love this tech. This is amazing. This is a great tech. This shapes 50% of the factions in Prophecy of the Kings now. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. The, what this tech does is opens everyone up to the possibility of prototype War Sun 2. Or, I mean, of War Suns, right? Th- this is now, I mean, okay, for, for Muat specifically, we're talking about we start with Plasma, we get this, and then if we get Sarween tools, we just skip to, we skip to the War Suns now. Or if we have a yellow skip, we use this and the yellow skip and we get prototype War Sun 2. Well, honestly... I I think it's about skipping Sarween and going. I think it's going to be all about being red, oh, yeah. blue, muat right, now. Right, totally. Where, where we're skipping Sarween to get to Prototype War Sun Two and going down blue. I think it's going to be. Can brutal. I can I say the biggest deal to me with this? Uh, and I've yeah. sort of teased this in the past and had to like watch myself because this tech makes me so excited for Hakan. I can't see straight. Uh, yeah. Because we start with a blue and a yellow, we get this tech. Uh, so we have a red and a yellow. I get one more tech. Like I get one more. If I get plasma scoring or something, I can get prototype. I can get war suns. I also, because I have the blue and the yellow, I can use this tech to get dreadnought two without getting gravity drive if I want yeah. to. Yeah. Uh, the way the blue and the yellow works out is I can get every single unit upgrade in the game except for infantry two when I get this tech. Yeah. Like this tech opens up literally everything to me. And more importantly, the 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 War Sun Hakan makes me so excited because of that hero we talked about in the past where mm-hmm. you get to pop it and build everything for free. So if you get your War Suns, which you can kind of get pretty easily, to be honest with you, uh, you get that and then you build two free War Suns along with like three dreads that are dread twos. And that's like your round four build for free, for free, for free. You get like $30 worth of units and it's ridiculous. Four. Free. I, it I must love be. it. This it is must my, be. This is my favorite thing. A mini mall. <laughs> a mini mall. A also, mini don't forget. Mall. You know what the, I'm talking about? The, it, it pays off every round, too, because you get discounts. For those factions that are going to go like heavy unit upgrades, you're going to like save on all of your money. Hunter's just bobbing his head right now, singing that song in his head. <laughs> Oh wait, I said it wrong. It's 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 just like it's just like <laughs> a mini mall. You know what I'm talking about? That guy's from Tulsa. That's a Tulsa guy. You know that guy? You know what I'm talking about? Are we still doing the show? I thought the show was over. So good. So here's what you do now. This is how you be really good at Muat. Go on YouTube and type in Tulsa commercial. It's just like a mini mall. Do that. Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. It's a guy explaining to you what a flea market is, is what it is. It's a guy in jingle format thinks you don't know what a flea market is. So he explains to you it's just like, it's just like, it's just like a mini mall, a mini mall.